tonight on Unsolved Mysteries, Best Friends, Marine Captain Murder, Florida Fires, and Mucho Roro. I'm your co-host, Crystal. And I'm your other co-host, Robert. And this is Reenacted, an Unsolved Mysteries podcast. Uh, so, Crystal, uh, you were telling me something right before we started. Yeah, I'm fired up. <laughs> you sound fired up. I am full of... We're recording this in the morning. You should, lately, we've been doing this in the evenings um, when I get off of work, but today we're doing it before you start work. Yeah. And I have the day off because it's it's observed July 4th today. We were, so we were going to... We're re- doing it in the morning. We were going to record the previous evening, but I, I right. fell asleep. Yes. <laughs> I got- yeah, you fell asleep, and then my phone was dying, and then there was a bunch of firecrackers going off, which you would have been able to hear on the record, and then my dog was barking. There was just, like, too much going on last night. So Yeah, you know, when, and uh, when I woke up, I was sort of in that state where, like, you come out of sleep, and you're really hot and sweaty and, gro- like, disoriented. So yeah. I, I probably yeah. wouldn't have been able to bring my... B plus A minus game like I usually do. <laughs> uh, sometimes I, I find when I get a, a nap in, in in the middle of the day, it really upsets my digestion. Like I'll have a really upset tummy. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, I, I get upset tummies all the time after I go to sleep. So I, I can believe that. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, I really I really have to like be careful now that I'm older to like not eat after a certain time because I'll like wake up an hour or two after going to bed and have like terrible uh like acid reflux or indigestion mm. or just you know what I mean? Maybe that's my problem because I probably have not been avoiding eating late at night too. So that probably explains why I wake up. Uh, especially, I, I don't think I can drink carbonated beverages before I go to sleep. Cause otherwise I wake up and I have mm. to like contort my body around to like I burp. And then the, 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 uh-huh. the uh, pressure inside my body goes away and I can, I can resume sleeping. So. Yeah, I mean, just you gotta you gotta get r- really like dialed in as you get older with like things you can and can't do. You know what I mean? You hear that, you young kids out there? <laughs> Don't grow old. <laughs> well, any- <laughs> well, anyway, I'm fired up because yesterday when I was watching our episode of Unsolved Mysteries, granted I hadn't I hadn't watched an episode in probably a couple of weeks since the last time we recorded, mm-hmm. but sometime between then and now, Amazon Prime has added full on commercials to the beginning and middle of the show and you cannot fast forward through them. I was shocked. Absolutely shocked because uh, that's a service that we pay for and it's not cheap. I mean, granted, you know, it it comes as a part of like the whole Amazon deal, Mm -hmm. you know, but I'm not sure when that started and I'm sure that I hate it a lot. And I, you know, if I could cancel my Amazon Prime membership again, I would. I mean, I'm using the household one we have now. 
but I canceled. I'm just like, I'm so pissed. Are, you know, are they adding commercials to other programs as well? I mean, I, maybe you haven't had a chance to check yet. I don't know. Yeah. I was going to say that seems to defeat the purpose of having that streaming service. Well, sort of. Mm-hmm. I mean, you might as well just watch regular television, right? Well, I guess. Yeah. I mean, that's part of. I mean, part of the premium service I thought was ad free. Yeah. Like that's the deal. Man, imagine if they like started like putting commercials in like the middle of movies. That that would be like an automatic mm, cancel right yeah. there, right? I mean, I don't know. I don't know. It might just be unsolved mysteries because it's. I don't know. I gotta. So if anyone knows, could you like tell us what the hell's going on? <laughs> yeah, specifically with unsolved mysteries or Amazon Prime in general. Just like, if you have Amazon Prime, please sit down and watch it for the next twelve hours. So various programs. <laughs> And report back to us. Um, I think it says a lot, though, that basically the only reason I use Prime Video now is to watch Unsolved Mysteries. I don't have a lot of value in it other than that. Mm. And and there's, you know, there's the errant, like, because Amazon Prime will put anything on their service. And I feel like Netflix is kind of going in that direction, too. But they'll just put, like, the craziest amateur produced conspiracy shit documentaries from, like, 2009 on there i mean they will they will put anything on their service i'm not kidding so well um if you get a lot of value out of that (laughs) more yeah uh enjoy but yeah i i guess i guess when you're one of those streaming services you need like a minimum number of like programs and stuff right so yeah, you, know, you, you, you I guess so. You, you rope in your 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 big name stuff, but you you don't want it like conspicuously thin with just that. So you just you get a bunch of crap and you just fill in all the holes with it. Well, that's what we're doing today. Is we're going to take a bunch of crap. <laughs> wow. Okay. I. <laughs> you just seemed mo- no. You just seemed blase about this episode. Yeah, bl- episode when it's, we talked it's... about it. But that now, yeah, yeah, that's that's coming out really swinging. You well, no, this episode's fine. <laughs> it's fine. That's all I have to say about it. The end. End of the pod. It was fine. <laughs> You can find Watch Reenacted on Twitter at Reenacted Pod. <laughs> Robbie, do you want to do the thing? <laughs> We're already mystery. There is someone, somewhere, who knows the truth. Perhaps that someone's watching. Perhaps it's you. Uh. Soul train, soul train. Soul train, soul train. People all over the world. Um, no, but seriously, uh, do you want to talk about this episode on self mystery? I will, because there's actually some stuff I'm interested in talking about. Uh, yeah, there. It's fine. This episode's fine. <laughs> Our first segment is a lost loves. It involves two women named Barbara. That's like the the big novelty of it. Um, mm-hmm. We start out with uh, Barbara Smith Reed. Um, we we go right into a 
a reenact a little reenactment where it shows because she grew up in the 1940s so we get like a 1940s suburban street or rather a house with a 1940s car parked in front and two small girls dressed <laughs> period appropriate. And one of them's just be What's your what's your issue with the house? Are you saying the house postdates this story? Oh no, no the, the house might be fine as well. I'm I'm not I'm not a, as big an expert on houses. Uh, I'm not really I don't really know much about cars. I just, you know, I can tell if a car is from like long timey ago. Uh, uh-huh. as it were <laughs> <laughs> um, but we got two little girls and one of them's just being a total bitch like i mean oh my goodness yeah well she's like you just called a child a bitch <laughs> well you know the way she's like telling the other girl like oh you're adopted and uh yeah. it was rude what was in like you know, the, the sort of things that kids will tease someone who's adopted for. And this yeah. this is where I initially was confused because, like, I guess the girl knew she was adopted beforehand. Uh, uh, but this the segment almost seems to play it as if she just finds out from this, like, you know, school companion Mm. who is somehow privy to the information that would be like, mm-hmm. that would just be such a strange way to find that news out. But I guess, I guess she, she was, uh, she was aware she already aware she was adopted. And she, I guess she was pressing the issue with her parents about like, I want to know about my, you know, birth mom. And so they actually had the doctor, who delivered her come in and explain that her biological father was killed in the war and her mother died after giving birth to her. Um, mm-hmm. Which we find out later isn't true. Uh, so mm. uh, there's just there's a lot of layers of uh, fibbiness going on here. Uh, so later, uh, the Barbara grows up, uh, she becomes engaged to a guy named, uh, was it Reed, Reed Smith, no Smith. No. Uh, his last name was Reed, right? What? Steve Reed. Yeah. Which, which is like a name so bland that I couldn't just remember it just now. Um, Mm, it's very generic. Yeah. Now, and so uh, one, one day she joins Steve and going over to a friend's place, uh, one of his friends, that is. And there's a, this painting on the wall. And it's a painting of like this guy's sister who is uh, allegedly looks just like Barbara. And her name's Barbara as well. So, mm-hmm. no, wait, it's not his, sis- his sister. It's his girlfriend, right? Because they both marry, they both marry best. No, it's just, it's it's. Oh, um, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, I'm I'm just confusing because it's his, it's her husband or fiance's friend's sister. Okay, and and yeah. it's just that like her fiance had another friend who was dating the sister because then like they make this big to do yeah. about how like because the, the both Barbers meet each other and they they immediately become good friends 
um, mm-hmm. as you as you always do with someone who shares your first name and who you meet, right? <laughs> it's it's true. Yeah, we're all crystals are on the newsletter. <laughs> right, yeah. right. Um, back in the second grade, there was this other kid named Robbie, and like uh-huh. oh. I yeah I and I like ineffectually tried to become his friend and failed at it. So, mm. um, but in, in hindsight, it's probably a good thing. Cause I mean, just trying to become someone's friend just based off them sharing the same first name probably isn't the best criteria anyway. So, uh, Barb and Barb, uh, are both, both end up becoming engaged to, uh, two guys who are also best friends, and they we have a little reenactment of mm-hmm. them going into a diner, uh, which I mean, mm-hmm. it, this looks just this looks more. I mean, they're they're wearing fifties appropriate clothes with like the the sock uh, skirt sort of thing on the poodle well, poodle skirts, right on the on the girls, right? And yeah, the diner. I mean, I guess it. I mean, it, it sort of has that sort of general 1950s look, but I, I'm assuming I having the costumes just automatically puts you more in the the mindset to accept it. Mm. Is, does that does that look like a place in Los Angeles that actually exists that you? Yeah, I mean, I'll say I'll say this, and, and it was probably more true in the 90s when they filmed the reenactment yeah. that there are um, the whole like googie diner look, which this isn't technically doesn't look like a googie diner that was more mid-century modern this is more like soda fountain looking yeah where they were at but um there's a there's a still i mean they're fewer and fewer but there's still a bunch of places in la that are pretty much preserved to look like a diner like diner culture here is freaking huge mm-hmm. but a lot of that has to do with like there there's an economic incentive to maintain the look of some of these places because people film in them all the time. So I'll give you an example, um, right down the street from nearish to where I live was this place called Corky's and it's, it's, it was, it's a landmark on Van Nuys Boulevard and, um, it was, it was completely maintained to have the mid century look. So there was like, it's a it's, and it is a googie diner so if you guys want to know you know about googie and his sort of look and aesthetic in southern california that's like a whole thing you can go look up but it was designed by him like there's a like an inverted roof and there's a bunch of like natural river rock on the outside um you know pendulum lamps and booths on the inside huh. uh and and they were doing filming they would do filming productions there all the time. So like it was, I think primarily a filming location and secondarily an operating restaurant. (laughs) So, um, it's, it's unfortunately now it's closed, which sucks because people have like, now it's all overgrown looking and people have graffitied on the, it's all boarded up because the landlord decided to double their rent after being there for 40 some odd years. Mm, mm. And, uh, they didn't want to pay it. Even though it wasn't that it closed to lack of business, it just closed because they were being squeezed out, basically. So now it's been basically shuttered for most of a year. Oh, wow. And it's a real eyesore. <laughs> so thanks for that. Okay, so... I hope the landlord's got their money's worth. So what you're saying is... To answer your question, yes, <laughs> this diner could exist, and they probably filmed on location. 
<laughs> Excellent. Um, and so uh, we we get we learned that Barbara Smith, uh, she has the suspicion that her parents didn't really die. And she did some some looking into it. And she found out that her mother's name was Victoria Bumgarner. Uh, and that mm-hmm. there really wasn't any evidence to suggest that she had passed away. Uh, meanwhile, oh. uh, Barbara Ratner's uh, mother did, uh, her mother passed away. So as she was going through her stuff, she discovered that she was adopted as well. And that her birth mother was named Victoria mm-hmm. Bumgarner. And so they very quickly put two and two together and realize that they're, they're actually, uh, they share the same mother, they're sisters. Uh, yeah. Well, they got the, we got the doctor involved, the doctor who, yeah. Well, the, um, like, yeah. Cause they lied. Right. And to the first Barbara. <laughs> yes. And when, uh, when they tried to find, like they, they wanted to find out more information and what they, they they confronted him at some point, right? Yeah. But he he did not he was not forthcoming. And I no. I think seem to recall that like I mean when he died, it turned out he had actually destroyed all the records related to <laughs> to the case, just to, to be mm-hmm. one final dick about it, I guess. Um and so the two girls, they 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 contacted the California home no the children's home society of california and Mm -hmm. they found out that the victoria bumgarner was a 23 year old who came to los angeles because she was pregnant and that doctor helped her deliver the baby and then it got put up for adoption and then about Mm -hmm. a year and a half later she ends up having to do the same thing again and that's uh both barbara's Mm -hmm. um and like I was as I was watching this segment, I mean, I guess like in the corner of my mind, I was like, okay, they're they're gonna be asking about info about the mom. Uh, but like the segment mm-hmm. mostly felt less like an unsolved mysteries mystery and more like uh, a case of the extraordinary or something. Uh, it's just like, mm-hmm. oh, this neat thing happened. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's something that you would you would more like up until they're they're like hey at the end when Narvit Sack's like hey they're looking for their mom i mean this could have just played out on like um the uh like on uh the what was it beyond belief with Jonathan Frakes just like so do you believe mm-hmm. that the, the the these two actually were sisters or whatever um so but then in text at the end of the segment we learn that they did find their mom and got to share with her the story of how they found each other. <laughs> yeah, but they we don't we don't get like I was fully expecting the reunion to air. Yeah. So we only get the white text update. So they must have somehow found her outside of unsolved mysteries, I gather. Well, I mean, I can I mean, I can tell you what the wiki says. Okay. And it's just makes it's just even stranger. So uh, it, it, what they found their mother because they found their mother Victoria. Let's call her Victoria Vumgarner. Ah! <laughs> uh, Victoria Vumgarner. <laughs> uh, no, Victoria Bumgarner. 
um, they were actually led to her by viewers of the show hmm. Unsolved Mysteries. Um, but I guess the mom had not told anyone that she had had two children while single and given them up for adoption. So the broadcast was not allowed to shut their reunion. Not allowed? Not allowed by who? Yeah, she wouldn't sign off. Oh, 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 she, she wouldn't allow them. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that much. Yeah, that makes sense. That must be a thing. Uh, sometimes I. The- yeah, I mean, you, you, you have to like sign waivers <laughs> and stuff to appear on television. There's like producers that run around making you sign paperwork. Um, and I just, it's, it's such, it's such a weird, so many parts of this are so strange to me though. And it's not even both of them being named Barbara and being sisters. There's like other little details that were like, what? Well, uh, so what? Well, yeah. Well, it was, um, wait, what, what was there? Was there anything that I hadn't mentioned that you found just sort of distracting in that way? No, I mean, you, I covered all you, the, you said, you said everything. Yeah. It was, um, it was definitely a segment. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's also like in the beginning when the first Barbara's parents lie to her and say your, your biological parents are dead. Mm-hmm. Why? Why would they say that? Secondarily, this I can understand the doctor wanting to protect the privacy of the mother because he's a doctor. Like, he legally cannot yeah. um, speak on that information, but the way that it's framed is that like the doctor was part of like some conspiracy. <laughs> yeah. Like to tell to, Barbara one that her, or that her parents were dead, even though he knew full well, that's not the truth. So it's, you know, a doctor can be like, I can't say anything. That's what a doctor, but, but the doctor lo- actually actively lies, comes to her home and lies to her face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, what? <laughs> well, I guess like my my thought on that would be, um, uh, I mean, it it makes sense. It would make sense if the. Well, no, no. I mean, I, I guess it wouldn't. I mean, I was gonna say like, I mean, it'd be one thing if the the adoptive parents didn't want her to know she was adopted, and they just you know. Uh, made sure the doctor didn't tell right. her anything, but instead they, they, they're like, no, you were adopted, but the parent, those parents are dead. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Let's move on to, um, this Marine, Marine captain situation. Yes. Uh, who's, uh, captain, uh, Jeffrey Digman. I, throughout the entire episode, was hearing it as Dick Man. From the time he was 10 years old, Jeffrey Digman wanted to be a Marine. <laughs> I, it was only until, like, just looking up the wiki now uh, uh, that I see I was mishearing it the entire time. So it is. Um, it is that. Yeah, it's like Dig Man. It's like that. Or, or like the, uh, the video game. D- yes, Digman. Yeah. Is that a thing? I thought it was Dig Dug. Oh. Fuck. I guess I, <laughs> I guess I don't know what I'm talking about when it comes to those 
arcade games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is Dig Dug. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Uh, so um, that's okay. <laughs> We're going to talk about Je- Jeffrey Digman. Yeah, totally different situation. Jeffrey Digman was promoted to captain. There's a, you know, I, I this is going to be weird that I'm mentioning this, but my first impression. Uh, and not that it matters whatsoever to the story we're about to tell, but uh, my first impression when they were showing the headshots uh, and pictures of Jeffrey Digman, uh, was, he's a really good-looking guy, really clean cut. Yeah. yeah. Nice, nice-looking uh, SoCal surfer boy. So um, Jeffrey Digman was a Marine. And, um, he, anyway, he was promoted to captain at the age of 28. I, I don't know if that's remarkable. I don't know enough. That's, about I, I think, I think his career is pretty, uh, pretty on track at that point. Cause if it's like, if okay. he, if he attended like, uh, you know, like if you attend a military academy, um, for four years, uh, like, like, you know, West point or an, 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 an Annapolis, like, after after mm-hmm. that, you come out as the lowest uh, officer grade, which like so for the, you know that'd be like a second lieutenant in the Marines. So I mean, assuming he graduated at like twenty one in seven years, he went from uh, second lieutenant to first lieutenant and then to to captain. So he's he's, he's his career is totally on track. Well, well, it was anyway. <laughs> it was sorry, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, as a, if you guys can notice, I'm using the past tense and not just because this happened in the late eighties. Um, so he, so he's 28. Um, in 1988, uh, he, he and another officer, so he's stationed in San Diego and, um, they, they buy a house, uh, while they're in San Diego. But unfortunately, four months later in November, um, Digman was transferred to Puerto Rico and I was very, I'm only, I'm reading this directly from the wiki because I found this segment really confusing. I was like, what's this back and forth between Puerto Rico and San Diego? I wasn't understanding. Yeah. I, I wasn't getting that um, while watching was, the segment too. Uh, cause I was like, oh, he's, he's right. flying. Cause later there's a, uh, an air flight he's supposed to catch. And I was like, oh, he's going mm-hmm. home, but no, he's going to wait. He's going to Puerto Rico. What is he from Puerto Rico? Uh, I don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was really confused, and I was also really confused too if he if he was stationed in Puerto Rico, why he had a roommate in a house in San Diego. But this makes sense now, so that's why, yes, <laughs> that's why. And it, it, this all comes into play later. Don't worry, I'm not just saying shit. Okay, um, so uh, you know, Jeffrey's a little put off about you know he just bought a house in San Diego and he's got to go to Puerto Rico. Um, but he, you know, he gets, uh, he eventually he gets settled in. So, um, then he b- starts dating this woman called Lucy Garcia. She's an accountant at the base. They interview her pretty extensively in the segment. Um, so he, he's transferred to Puerto Rico in November. He's back in the States a little bit after Christmas to spend a couple of weeks at his home in San Diego. And he was then scheduled to fly back home to Puerto Rico on January 2nd, 1989, which was Super Bowl Sunday. Very important. Are you ready for some football? Important detail. That's why everyone remembers this. Because then, at halftime during the Super Bowl, a neighbor saw Jeffrey return home. And meanwhile, uh, his roommate slash co-owner of the house had gone to Las Vegas the weekend for his girlfriend. So, So I guess Jeffrey... 
was probably just getting some stuff before he left for the airport. And then, um, anyway, uh, around 6 p.m., neighbors heard what they thought was the sound of a car backfiring. Um, about 10 p.m. His, that night, his roommate returned, but was surprised to find Jeffrey's car still in the driveway. So in the reenactment, um, they didn't quite get this right. It doesn't match the voiceover narration okay, yeah. that Stack is giving. Because there were some other indicators when he got home, according to the narration, like the garage door was open. And so there was a, but that wasn't in the reenactment, actually. But there was enough to tip off the roommate and his girlfriend that someone was in the house. Mm -hmm. And, and or Jeffrey should not have been home at that point. He was supposed to be at the airport getting a flight back to Puerto Rico. Um, so... So the roommate and the girlfriend go across the street to the neighbor and they're like, okay, let's all go in the house. Yeah, I, I love, um, unfortunately, I love yes. th- that in the reenactment too. Cause my mind immediately was like, okay, so you're getting the neighbor to go- come with you fine. But like, what if the like potential assailant is in the house with a gun? All you've done is just ensure that the neighbor gets killed along with you. Um, I mean, I guess like, there's some safety in numbers or something like maybe like rather than like try to shoot mm-hmm. multiple people, the the assailant will just like try to escape. I, I guess it works with the, I guess it must work the same as with bears, right? Like the more people you have in the group, the <laughs> less likely a bear is supposed to attack mm-hmm. you, right? Like once you get up to like mm-hmm. seven or eight, that's when the bear doesn't attack. Am I right in that? Or am I just... I- I, what? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, long story. Sh- I don't know. I don't know what bear math is. <laughs> I don't know how to do Sorry. That. Sorry. Uh, I guess, I, uh, I guess this is a little off topic. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I love that. He just grabbed the neighbor, like c- come into the, this potentially dangerous situation with me. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, the, yeah, I, I, I was like, why didn't they call the cops? But then I can also understand why they didn't. So yeah. I don't know who, who knows what the right thing to do is in the situation. Well, regardless, they, they were all safe, but they did find Jeffrey, uh, um, dead in his, uh, bedroom with a single bullet wound to, uh, his right temple. So that implies that he, uh, they ruled a suicide. So mm-hmm. the, the Navy, investigative service and um the authorities (laughs) but i don't know it was i assume that means the police but uh it was really vague like um, i had to rewatch this a couple mm -hmm. of times because we have a sort of crime scene reconstruction thing going on and at first i thought it was just some like Mm -hmm. very casually dressed coroner's office people or something but i i know i'm getting i watching it the second time i got the feeling it was like it was jeffrey's like father or family had you know contracted some people out to help them uh develop an alternative to what the official story was yeah that's all i have (laughs) yeah so there's there's some so they everyone rules it a suicide. They find gun residue on his right, on his hands. It's on both of his hands. Yes. But the tests indicate that he had fired a gun by using his right hand. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but yeah, Jeffrey's family c- comes in and they they start they start trying to crack this case. Uh, and they think he was murdered, and so they they basically reconstruct his childhood bedroom back at his parents' house. So they took all the furniture of out of the house that Jeffrey owned, yeah, from his bedroom. And then did all the measurements. I assume they did the measurements before as to where everything was placed. And then they reconstructed it in his childhood bedroom. Um, and then there was a private investigator that determined the trajectory of the bullet. Uh, so so they do a demo. Like, unfortunately, it's his, I think it's his dad that's doing the demonstration. Yes, yes. Of how this would, would have had to have gone down if he had shot himself. And I won't get into all the details of that, but it's... Uh, yeah, based on the trajectory of the bullet, it doesn't make a lot of sense that he would have shot. He would have had to have been at a really weird, awkward angle. Mm. But I will mention that the autopsy report um, says that he was very drunk mm. when this happened. And and we all know how awkward we get when we're drunk. Right. <laughs> well, I I can see. Well, I can see just being in some weird weird angles, putting your body in some weird yeah. angles. Yeah. 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 No, that that makes sense. Um. Now, he, like, so, yeah. There's there's some other like little small injuries on him. Some blood in places that it sh- shouldn't be if he shot himself. Um. Yeah, and then like the the yeah. motive mm. is, it, I I had trouble following that as well. It was because he was part of the marine drug testing unit or something, right? right. So he was a narc <laughs> in the marines, right? Um, and yeah. so there's there's a lot of talk about paperwork and him trying to like uh, trying to pick up some of that paperwork and uh, and whatnot and. Just sort of, I, I yeah. guess they they sort of give the the possible uh, premise that something related to to the drug testing uh, had caused someone to um, uh, murder him in order to, I guess, protect their career or something. I guess, and then back in Puerto Rico, the go- girlfriend helps the Marines pack up his stuff, and there was like a green book journal yes. thing. In there, and when the Mar- and when she handed it to the Marine people, it was intact. And then when it got back to his parents, like a bunch of pages had been cut out. And um, I, you know, so I guess a, a Navy investigator determined that why are Navy people investigating Marines? What's going on? What's happening? I can answer that. I know that. I know that. Okay. Okay. Please, please stop. It's me. the same reason that if you're a Marine, your paycheck actually comes from the Department of the Navy. Because the Marines are actually technically, uh, uh, they are in the Department of the Navy. Um, so okay. uh, they they get uh, uh, paid by the Navy. There's uh, there there's certain bureaucratic overlaps uh, along those lines. Uh, I know because I have many mm-hmm. I the friends I have who have served in the Navy used to like to share how anytime they got guff from someone who was in a marine who was a marine they'd always remind them of something like yeah just remember your paycheck signed by the uh the secretary of the navy or, or whatever um uh, so th- i i guess i mean it, it i i i'm not, so i'm not surprised that there's there's something along those lines where um 
I mean, because the the two the these two branches, the, their genesis, uh, their existence is sort of intertwined with each other. Because the Marines were originally just, mm-hmm. I mean, they were a uh, a fighting force that was, you know, that would be on ships and stuff. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, they're both of the sea, right? Yes. Right. Except I- <laughs> um, so, so Robbie, uh, given all the information we've just presented, what do you think happened here? Um. Well, you know, they didn't. Uh, I I honestly don't know because I mean they didn't put forward any reasons why he would commit suicide. Uh, it could. Could it could have been just a conventional sort of robbery murder situation? Um, you know, I here's my theory. Okay, and it's the one that no one ever wants to think is true. Okay. (laughs) Besides suicide, it's the other reason, other thing that people don't want to accept. Um, given his blood alcohol level when he died, I think he, I think he was drunk and he accidentally shot himself oh, in the head. Oh shit! Well, th- th- oh yeah, you said you did mention he was. Yeah, you know that that makes sense. Uh, people who are intoxicated end up like uh, dying uh, by accidents. Yeah, well, it's not just that. It's like how like firearms and alcohol are a bad mix. Like. Maybe he was packing up his service revolver to take back to Puerto Rico. Who knows? Right, right. Um, and he was drunk and he, I mean, it's still, it's still suicide. It's just an accidental suicide. Yeah. Yes, precisely. Well, we got this case wrapped up. Uh, <laughs> All right. Case, case flipping closed. Uh, shall we move, move, uh, move on? I just wanted to, to call our attention to the reenactment of the Christmas party. Earlier in the reenactment, mm. you know, when, when uh, um, Jeff, where they depict Jeff, uh, not necessarily meeting uh, his girlfriend, but I mean, maybe their first real social occasion together. But this Christmas party is awesome mm. because it involves a tree in a corner and a bunch of people walking around in Marine uniforms. <laughs> really, Captain. Like, like the, in their whites? No, they're uh, well. I, they're I think they're just they sort of are. They're just using God. Uh, they're not in their formal uniform uh, uh, dress up. Oh, but so they don't have their swords and stuff. No, right? no, just 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 you know they're they're you know just just wearing a uniform. You know the work attire and uh, going to uh, maybe it's maybe I guess maybe it was like the the office party as it were. Uh, I also was interested, you know, they have a brief reenactment of Jeff uh, overseeing, like, I guess the, a bunch of new recruits who are uh, doing jumping jacks or something. And Mm -hmm. I can't, I don't recall if uh, perhaps some of our more military savvy listeners might be able to answer this. Like do commissioned officers oversee that kind of thing? Because I kind of feel like that's like something that like a bunch of sergeants and NCOs are supposed to do, and the mm-hmm. the, the commission officers just like f- sign off on some paperwork or whatever. Yeah. Um. If anyone knows, you got a lot. 
about that and the other you thing. got a lot of homework assignments Earlier. so <laughs> get to it yeah we want to get back to us on commercials on amazon and also if ceos oversee uh boot camp type training yes for marines <laughs> please uh next we got a special alert Special alert. Oh, shit. When's the last time we got a special alert? Was, uh, do you remember the, 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 there being a special alert before on this program? Was that a th- Has that ever been a thing? Um, I feel like maybe once. Okay. Before. Yeah, because it's it, it sort of, um, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's, uh, they, they play the, like, update music during the, the entirety of it. Mm-hmm. So, it, it, it yeah, yeah it kinda, there's not really any reenacting that goes on. It's just, it's just uh-huh. a bunch of maps of a startlingly large number of churches that burned down in Florida within a short period of time. And, and yeah. just some, uh, some, some actual footage of various fires, yeah, I think, um, yeah, there were more than 26 arson fires of churches. That's a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah, we get we get a, yeah, the map. I don't know, the fire graphic they use kind of look more like a crown or a chicken foot <laughs> to me. So it looked like a chicken. Uh, yeah. Chicken was stamping all over that's, Florida. That's, that's, a, that's a fair point. I can totally see that. Like... As if that's not really so much the location of fires as someone's chain of chicken restaurants. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's what it kind of looked like to me. But no, it was uh, it was churches burned down. It seemed like um, it was pretty indiscriminate of denomination. Mm-hmm. So just churches generally. And I was starting to wonder: is this like a like a hate crime situation. It didn't appear that that, that way. was my first instinct. So. I was like, is this, are these primarily targeting like churches of a particular, uh, uh that have, have a lot of minority, uh, representation, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, like mm-hmm. you said, it kind of just seems to be all over the place. Um, uh, cause like when we, cause we get like a, Thing where unsolved mysteries came to town to talk interview with some people and mm-hmm. no sooner uh, i mean right before they got there one of the churches a- fires actually happened uh and we get like mm-hmm. footage of people people actually watch watching their church burn down or, or or rather get the smoldering get put out because and you mm-hmm. know they they seem to represent a pretty uh, wide cross section of uh Florida. Yeah, it was crazy, right? <laughs> yeah, well, uh, g- guess what? Um, this They actually caught the guy before they aired the episode. Yeah, so that wrapped everything up in so, a tight bow. Um, so re- really, this yeah. was a solve, <laughs> solve mystery. <laughs> Maybe that, that's why they call it a special alert or something, because then people would be like, I don't get it. They caught the guy. Why, why are they? They don't actually say that they had caught the guy in, in the white text update that we get. So those are things that are always added like after mm-hmm. more recently. Um, they don't say that they had actually police had picked the guy up before they aired the episode. But looking at the wiki, that's what happened. Ah, Yeah. Um, and it was actually a, t- a Tennessee drifter. I believe that it was his professional right name. <laughs> um <laughs> 
he actually got uh, this guy named Patrick Lee Frank was arrested for loitering. Um, and then after he was arrested, no more church fires were occurring. And then under questioning, he confessed to setting several fi- fires, not only in Florida, but in Tennessee and Colorado. Um, this wasn't mentioned in the episode, but he claimed that churches caused him to steal and commit crimes. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Wow. So, you know, um, yeah, he's got a grudge against churches, I guess. Uh, He was charged with 15 of setting 15 of the fires. Um, But in in January 1993, he's so four years, three, two years later, two years later, year and a half later, he was found not guilty for reason of insanity. um, And then he was institutionalized for 15 years before being released in 2008. You know, like when I when they revealed he was a drifter. I really was kind of mm-hmm. the first thing that went through my mind was because they have that graphic where they show the different fires pop up on the map of Florida. And I was like, mm-hmm. gosh, you know, for a drifter, he was really mobile. I mean, I guess he could have hitched rides and stuff, but I mean, it just mm-hmm. like the, the fire pattern they showed you would think that this was someone with a vehicle with a lot of fire starting supplies who was just like, I'm going to maximize how many churches I can burn down in, you know, in, mm-hmm. in a shorter period of time. Uh, though I guess if he, if he was a drifter, it would explain because sometimes like uh, with a couple of the, these incidents, you had a whole bunch of churches in one location get burned. Like was it Gainesville? Yeah. Just like multiple within a um, short time period. So I guess that would, that makes sense if you're a drifter, you're just like, you know, you got to bring as many churches down as you can until you can hitch a ride and do the same somewhere else. Yeah. I mean, he's a drifter, not a stayer. <laughs> so I imagine. Doug. Um, yeah. Yeah. He, uh, he is not staying at all. He is drifting but not like in the car sense though no no more in the poor life decision the drifter yeah. sense yeah uh um shall we talk about treasure yeah let's talk about an actual segment this is we uh it's been a while since we've had a segment involving buried treasure of some sort um, this one be- starts starts in the most ominous way possible, uh, and as soon as uh, as soon as I heard that pan music, that pan flute music playing, oh, yeah, I was I was cringing under the 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 worry that we were going to at some point in this segment um, they were going to be talking about. You know, either Native Americans or some other group of people that the whoever the sound guy is for unsolved mysteries believes <laughs> can entirely be represented by the same same clip of pan flute music. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, we uh, we get taken to New Mexico. Uh, we get treated with a reenactment of some sort of double-engined plane landing on the ground, sort of a. 19 what 30s or 40s era aircraft um mm-hmm. and basically what we get is uh where we learn about this um not conspiracy but this plot by a group of 
very wealthy Mexican gentlemen who have this plan to smuggle gold into the United States because mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> they, they're aware that there's going to be certain laws concerning uh, gold in the United States passed that will and cause the, cause the value of the gold to increase immensely. So they're, mm-hmm. but so they're smuggling it in via plane onto a reservation in New Mexico uh, mm-hmm. Where they're they're going to bury it and just leave it there until it's time to cash in. Uh, the head of mm-hmm. the, the head of this effort is a guy named Leon Traboka, who Trabuco. is Trabuco, yes, who is dressed exactly like the um, villain in the flashback. Part, part at the beginning of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Uh, yeah. If you remember the guy who wanted the cross of Coronado and he had the white suit and the cane, this guy is rock. Yeah. This guy is rocking the exact same look. Do you remember what that character's name was from the beginning of that movie? I don't. Uh, I don't even believe he has a name, right? Um. Like no, he does. He does because the sheriff comes in right. with the bugle boy mm-hmm. when when J- Jones gets back to his house and he has the, he's recovered the cross. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and then the sheriff. Hold on, I'm I'm sorry. I have to describe the scene word for word and shot by shot because you've brought it up. And then the sheriff comes into the house <laughs> with the bugle boy, and then um. Uh, young Indiana Jones is yelling about, uh, I got it. These guys were trying to steal it. And then the sheriff was like, Hey, you know, you have to give, you have to give the cross back. It's fine. He said he won't press charges if you give the cross back to Mr. So-and-so. And he says the name and I don't remember what it is. Uh, wait, didn't you want, isn't Indiana Jones in the last crusade, the movie you've seen the most number of times? Um, I don't think I've seen it the most number of times, but it's like definitely my favorite movie. Oh, uh, it's one of my favorite movies. I think I've seen it. I think I've seen it a lot, but it's not the one I've seen the most. Okay. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I, I, because I, I remember you mentioned it in some weird Twitter like thing where you had to post the top five movies you'd seen or something. Uh, yeah. yeah, I, so then the sheriff is like, um, so then Indiana Jones is forced to give, give that back to the thug that was digging it up for the guy that looks like the guy in this segment. Yeah. And, and all, um, all but one of that, that guy t- gang runs out mm-hmm. with the cross to take it back to the guy who you see through the window receiving it, except like the, right. the leader of the digging gang is still in the room right right and he's and he takes he's because this is an origin story (laughs) he takes his hat he takes his brown fedora off uh because he's come in the house you know because he's polite Mm -hmm. you take your hat off when you come in the house and he says you lost today kid but that doesn't mean you have to like it and then he puts (laughs) the brown fedora on indiana jones's head and then the hat tips down Mm-hmm. And then when it pops back up, Indiana Jones is getting punched in the face. <laughs> grown, grown man, Indiana Jones. is getting punched in the face on a boat, uh, trying once again to recover the cross of Coronado from the guy who looks like he's dressed like Leon Trabuco. Yes. 
Whose name we can't remember. This is the second time I've had to reclaim my property from you. Uh, And then he says, it belongs in the museum. And then the guy in the suit says, so do you. (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, I love Indiana Jones. Um, Yeah, it's really great. I mean, it's really fucking problematic from from an archaeological (laughs) point of view. Right, um, I guess. You know, because truly, what's the difference between some guy trying to, you know, dig it up for his own personal collection and possibly to sell it and the difference between, you know, Indiana Jones going and putting it in, in the back of a museum somewhere where no one's going to see it to appreciate it anyway? Like, mm-hmm. what's the difference? Do, ha, have you ever listened to the Indiana Jones Minute? No, it's it's this podcast I came across. I listened to several episodes uh, a few months ago. It's pretty funny. Uh, these guys actually they they watch the Indiana Jones movies, but they do it one minute at a time. Mm-hmm. And they they make a doing that that way. They they come across a lot of interesting observations, and they notice all sorts of stuff that I know you know I never do in my casual viewings. And it's a pretty funny mm-hmm. podcast. I uh, I recommend it. I uh, great. Everybody, turn this one off. Go listen to no, 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 no. But we got, we got, is it called the Indiana Jones Minute? The Indi- the Indiana Jones Minute. Yes. Okay, that sounds fun. But we still have treasure to talk about, so don't 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 leave just yet. Uh, okay. So this pilot named Red, like Red Moiser or something, um, uh-huh. he's the one who's flying the gold in. They they get all the gold stored away. Um. And they like they were taking every apparently every scrap of gold they could get their hands on. They were smelting down into mm-hmm. into actual pe- uh, transportable pieces. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, their, their plan was just uh, to uh, to retrieve it. But they weren't counting on uh, apparently FDR signed what, some sort of executive order. That yeah. made it illegal to own gold. That was a- yeah. I was really confused because we're getting this secondhand. This is not stack narration. This is Treasure Hunter Ed Foster mm-hmm. who's telling us this information. And I think he said that Roosevelt made the gold illegal. And I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, gold's illegal. I mean, I mean, I'm always suspicious of an old man who's talking about gold in any way uh, in terms of like, you know, its place in in the law and the the economy and whatnot. So but yeah, but suffice to say that because of whatever the executive order was, these these group of wealthy Mexican gentlemen could not actually follow through on their plan like. Uh, I mean, at one point, the value had increased where they would have what made a net profit of seven million dollars, but mm-hmm. uh, but they like like ha- happened so often they waited too long and they got too greedy and then they weren't actually able to execute the plan, um, and so you have uh, like several of them passed away. And I think it was Leon. He was in negotiations with um, the U.S. government where, I guess, uh, through some back door with some entity in the government, at, rather, where he would, you know, he was willing to reveal the location of the gold if he could 
recoup some of it, some of the profit for himself or something. But I guess the actual uh, 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 government uh, oversight for for that sort of thing caught wind of this, and they they you know wanted to ha- have nothing to do with it. So the gold was presumably not recovered. We get a shot of guy in white suit with cane looking, you know, I guess I took it as a suggestion that he was at the U.S.-Mexico border uh, mm. looking across like, oh, if only I could get that gold. <clears throat> mm. um, and then we get just uh, the segment, uh, we get, uh, a lot of interviews with uh, say bits with this guy named uh, was it Ed Foster, who is one of those old guys that you would expect would be after treasure, and he's yeah he's the one that said that gold gold was illegal. Yeah 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 gold was illegal. Um, he's talking about like there's this house on the reservation that doesn't look like a Navajo house. And he, uh, he, they do this weird reenactment of him, uh, talk of what, of like a time he talked with a Native American woman who was a kid at the time who recounts mm-hmm. to him, like, seeing planes fly in, um, and, and vaguely remembers some, uh, some Mexican gentlemen, uh, being present at the time. So he's kind of like, he feels he's, he's close to where the, the, the gold is, and he he, t- he takes the Unsolved Mysteries crew out to this um, one spot uh, where uh, someone writ- wrote a year and some other numbers or something that he insists is a clue that will... He seems very confident that it's the clue that will help him locate the treasure. Uh, mm-hmm. Um. And so he he doesn't though. Not to my knowledge. He yeah, look yeah. It. Uh, they they have like some weird thing where there's like a tri- they do a graphic of a triangle between <coughs> where the airfield was and the house, mm-hmm. and then the uh, where the inscription was. And I guess like he's confident he was confident it was somewhere in there, but. Yeah, as 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 is happens with all uh, treasure uh, segments. Uh, as far as I, uh, they didn't seem to suggest that he'd found it. So the only people that really made the money, I guess, were the the one people hiring out the equipment for him to use. As as is always the case. <laughs> yeah, I mean the the micro economy of. <laughs> heavy machinery and metal detectors that get rented out in the name of Southwest or Appalachian uh, treasure hunting. Yeah. I mean, isn't it like back during like all the gold rushes and stuff in the 1800s, wasn't it always the case that the person, the people who really consistently made a profit were just the ones who went up there to sell stuff to the actual miners trying to find. Oh yeah. So, I mean, this, yeah. this is basically the same thing. Like the, the real money to be made in treasure hunting isn't by looking for a treasure mm-hmm. yourself, like some sap. It's selling treasure hunting equipment to people. 100%. I mean, can you name uh, one person that made their fortune? Well, hold on. <laughs> Let me qualify that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, can I mean, can you, do you know, can you name one person besides Hearst that made their fortune <laughs> actually getting 
getting inside, digging out the gold. Can you? Wait, wait, wait. When you one Hearst, you mean? Yeah. What? No. Hearst. That Hearst. No. So there's newspaper Hearst, Randolph yeah. Hearst, right? Yeah. Okay. His father was the guy who went all over the West and, and had big mining operations to pull the gold out of the ground. And that's how the Hearst family fortune started. Oh, okay. And that's how Hearst was able to become a publishing magnet. Right, right. Because he had just had all that. He had the money to just splash into the industry. Right. Okay. Fascinating. Right. Uh, yeah. No, I yes. can't. Off the top of my head, I can't name anyone who has actually found any sort of treasure. I mean, other than Indiana Jones. Right. <laughs> right. But we all, we've all heard of Levi's, right? Levi Strauss. Yes. He sold. And that, he sold blue jeans. He sold denim for, to the miners that were going up in the hills. They needed some, something rugged to wear yeah. uh, while they were mining gold. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was, you know, kind of, I mean, this is going to sound judgmental, but only because it is because I'm <laughs> irony poisoned. Yeah. But I like, what kind of, what kind of galaxy brain do you have to be to be like, I gotta, I want to spend my years looking for gold. Like, I think it's a fun hobby, but the way that men, <laughs> I'm sorry, men, some men. Uh, so far, it's only been men in these segments. So. Right. The way that some men get really obsessed with fi- finding like storied piles of treasure. Yeah. Just kind of makes them. I mean. Well, we've all. I don't know. We've I, all seen city slickers, like, too. We we know, you know, that men become <laughs> susceptible to the uh, to the fever. Right. The, you know, the. Yeah, I, I, th- I mean, obviously, I think part of it is just like it's the note. It's I mean, it's the same reason people fall for get rich quick or or whatnot. It's just it's the allure of like just becoming fabulously wealthy, like overnight. Right. Instead of like yeah. spending like 20 years working as a CPA or something. Yeah. But I mean, all the people who became fabulously wealthy as a result of the gold rush with the exception of Hearst, were just kind of like railroad magnates and mm-hmm. people who sold supplies. Right. And ran brothels and... The smart people. <laughs> 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 yeah. I just, I just think, I just think the actual pursuit of treasure is like the dumbest Oh, thing yeah. Yeah. It's, it's totally ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like, I mean, it sounds fun, but people get really obsessed. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's not realist, realistic in, in the slightest. And honestly, like you're basically, I mean, it's, you're just going around digging holes. I mean, there was that port, there was that guy in West yeah. Virginia. I poured all his money into hiring that earth moving equipment. They were digging some huge holes. So kids, Kids don't 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 become a treasure hunter. <laughs> Mamas don't let your babies grow up to be treasure hunters. How about that? Yeah. Uh, Robbie, we got to wrap this thing up, okay? Because I spent ten minutes reenacting um, the first five <laughs> minutes of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Uh, <laughs> because I, it's like a weird tick that I have. Um, 
I listen. You guys can find us on Twitter. We're at Reenacted Pod. Um, if you want to send us an email, I'd still love to hear your shitty small town stories. Please, 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 please. We I don't think we've gotten one yet. So you can send it that. You can DM us on Twitter, or you can just email it to us at. Um, our email is reenactedpod at gmail.com rate and review on iTunes or just any, just like tell people if you like this podcast, that'd be really awesome. Um, and, uh, what still is Facebook still happening? Yep. Yep. There's just, just look up, look us up at Facebook and particularly look up the reenacted fans page on Facebook. Nice. 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 Um, and Robbie, I think that's, This is really the end now, not the fake end like the beginning. Join us next week for another edition of Unsolved Mysteries. This is the second time I've had to reclaim my property from you. That belongs in a museum. So do you. Throw him over the side. 